0: who had recently graduated from seminary and was interviewing for a lead pastor position in trying to determine this young man's depth and understanding and what kind of handle he had on God's word, one member of the pulpit committee asked him, said, so what part of the Bible do you like best? This young ministry, aspiring ministry candidate said, I like the New Testament. Another member of the pulpit committee then asked him, well, what book of the New Testament is your favorite? Young man who was, getting more nervous by the minute, paused for a moment, trying to collect his thoughts. And then he answered, I think it's the book of parables. Well, the public committee kind of looked at each other with a puzzled look, and then the chairman of the public committee then asked him, you know, we're not familiar with that New Testament book. Will you kindly relate one of those parables to this committee? Young man said, sure. He said, once upon a time, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. And the thorns grew up and choked the man. And he went on and he didn't have any money. And then he met the queen of Sheba and she gave that man a thousand talents of gold and silver. And when he was riding along underneath a tree, his hair got caught in a limb and that left him hanging there in the tree. And he hung there many days and many nights. And the ravens brought him food to eat and water to drink. And one night when he was hanging there asleep, his wife Delilah came along and cut his hair off. And he dropped and fell on stony ground and it began to rain and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights and he went and hid himself in a cave and then the man went out into the highways and byways and compelled them all to come in. And then he went up to Jerusalem and he saw Queen Jezebel sitting high up in a window and when she saw him, she laughed at him. So he said, throw her down out of there and they threw her down and he said, throw her down again and they threw her down again and he said, throw her down again and they threw her down down 70 times 7 and the fragments they picked up afterwards were 12 basketfuls. Now I ask you, whose wife will she be on the day of judgment? The public committee sat there stunned at what they had just heard. After a few seconds of awkward silence, the chairman of the committee stood up and said, You're hired. <laughs> we're beginning a new series this morning titled Firm Foundation. And one of my responsibilities as your pastor is to help you grow and mature in your faith. And according to the Bible, not me, according to the Bible, our faith is directly linked to our understanding of God's word. Not just just the information of the Bible, but the application of the Bible. That ministry candidate had a lot of Bible knowledge, but apparently hadn't applied very much of it. See, the process of spiritual growth is the same for everyone. Regardless of how long you've been a Christian, it all comes back to the basics, doesn't it? And that's what we'll be doing in this series, looking at some of the basic principles of faith as outlined in God's Word. And since all these things that we're going to be looking at are mentioned in the Bible, what better foundational block to begin our series with than by looking at the Bible, the Word of God. You know, one of the more interesting statistics about the Bible and Bible reading is the fact that while the number of people interested in learning more about the Bible is way up, the number of people actually reading the Bible is way down. Which tells me, which tells me that we tend to approach Bible reading the same way we do exercise, don't we? We know we should do it, we just don't do it. We just have a hard time getting motivated to do it. Since I've only got about 30 minutes to cover this vast, vast topic, rather than telling you what you already know that you should be reading your Bible more, I wanna talk about the why. The why you should read the bible because from god's point of view and this is going to be this is going to be our big idea so if you're if you got your notebook this is going to be where you're first going to write down something this is our big idea because from god's point of view he's not as concerned about how much you're reading the bible as he is how much you're letting the bible read you that's the main idea don't just read the bible let the bible read you And see, Jesus was very clear about this when he told the parable of the the wise and the foolish builders where one built their house on on the the sand and the other built their house on the rock, the solid foundation. See, this was at the end. This was at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. You know, Matthew chapter five, six and seven is the greatest sermon that was ever preached. And here's how Jesus tied a bow at the end of that sermon. This is how he concluded it. Watch this. Matthew seven, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, All of the sermon, Matthew 5, 6, all the way up to the end of chapter 7. Everyone who heard all those words of mine, right? Everyone say these next four words with me. Puts them into practice. Let's do that again. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. In other words, don't miss this. The difference between us reading the Bible and the Bible reading us is our response or Lack of response. Which is why James, the brother of Jesus, told us too in James 1.22, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. His point being, if you're going to make it through the storms of life successfully, you need to make sure you're not just listening to what Jesus says, but doing what he says. Here's why. Information comes through reading. Transformation comes through doing. Doing that's tweetable. (laughs) Information comes through reading, transformation comes through doing. But see, here's what we all know, that's easier said than done, right? So if you're not excited about reading your Bible, if it seems too complicated or irrelevant, then you pick the right day to come to church, because this message is for you, because we're going to go over some things that will help, hopefully help the Bible come alive, come alive to you. And the first one is this, Uh, this is, you probably know this, faith. Faith is what activates God's word. It's not that you won't get anything out of reading the Bible if you don't have faith, because you will, but you'll get more out of reading the Bible if you do have faith. And here's how the writer of Hebrews explained it in Hebrews 4, verse 2. He said, For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. In other words, there was a time that they heard the word of God, but they weren't getting anything out of it. But the message they heard was of no value to them. Why? How come? How come they didn't understand the word? The writer tells us. Because those who heard it did not combine it with what? Faith. They didn't combine it with faith. So if you struggle getting anything out of your Bible, maybe, maybe you need to start activating your faith. Maybe you never thought about that approach before, but that's what you need to do. When you start reading your Bible... Approach it with faith, that God is going to speak to you through reading the Bible. And some of, you, now some of you are probably even more frustrated because you're like, not only do you have a hard time understanding the Bible, now you're just like, I don't even know if I have any faith, Pastor. Or, I don't feel like I have enough, right? See? But you've got to have faith. Faith is the catalyst that opens up our understanding to the Bible. And if you don't have any faith, well, where does that leave you? Well, just as faith activates our understanding of God's word, there's also something that activates our faith. And that something is called revelation. Revelation is what activates our faith. The best way to begin understanding the Bible when you read it is by exercising faith when you read it because faith is what moves the words in the Bible from history and information to relevance and transformation. Now, here's one of those places in, in, where the Greek actually does us a, a pretty good favor because the Greek language actually had two words for the word word, W-O-R-D. One of those is logos, the English transliteration would be L-O-G-O-S, logos. That's the written word. The actual words that are written on the pages or on the screen of your smart device, if that's how you read your Bible. The actual words, those are logos. They have another word. The Greeks had another word for a word that was rhema, and rhema was the revealed or spoken word. The spoken word, that's where it becomes personal to you. And faith is what moves the logos, the written word from the pages of the book into your heart so that you can apply it and understand it. And you really understand this better than you realize because if you've been reading the Bible for any time at all, how many times have you read something you're reading along and then, you know, you've read something you've read a hundred times, or, you know, a few times before. And then one morning you're reading it and it's like, bam, it jumped out at you. Anyone ever have that happen to you? See, that's the rhema. That's the logos becoming rhema. And here's what God wants you to know. That can happen more than it does. God wants to speak to you more than than you realize he does. He wants the logos to become rhema because when it becomes rhema, you're more excited about reading it. That's why God wants to do that. One of uh, my favorite professors when I was at Christ for the Nations working on my undergraduate degree, Dr. Carol Thompson, very, very, my, we actually had him come up here one of the first two years that we were here at church. He came up and did a seminar for us one weekend. Just a tremendous, gracious brother in the Lord, a wealth of knowledge. I always look forward to going to his classes. He, I, just, I just loved the way he taught. I respected him, and I just, I just thought, you know, if, any, if God was going to speak to me through anyone, it would be through Brother Thompson. So one day I'm, I'm going to class. I think it was the Book of Romans we were studying that semester. So I'm going to my class, really expecting to hear from this wealth of knowledge from Brother Thompson And we had a guest speaker, a missionary from somewhere over in Africa, India. I'm not sure. I don't really remember. But I remember being so disappointed because Brother Thompson wasn't going to be preaching. But anyway, so I thought, all right, you know, so I'll I'll, I'll give this guy a chance, you know. So I'm kind of halfway listening, but I'm also kind of halfway studying for an exam that I had next hour that I had not studied enough for. But anyway, so I'm I'm kind of halfway listening. And so at one point this missionary was talking about how he was called to the mission field and he talked about the, you know, just the fear and apprehension because you know, no one really ever feels called, you know, qualified to do what God's called him to do. But then he he, he had us open to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and he read these verses 5 and 6. And this is what he said. He said not that we are, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of, is of God, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament. But instead of, instead of saying who has made us able ministers, he, 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 he looked out and it looked like he was pointing right at me. He said, who has made you an able minister of the New Testament? And I, I, honestly, I thought he was pointing at me. And man, my heart just almost jumped out of my chest something happened on the inside of me. And I'm like, I'm like, what was that? What was that? And then I realized God was just calling me to the ministry. God has made you enable. And I was so excited and, and I knew what it was, right? Things like, oh yeah, God. So my, my, my friend, Mike McNamee roommate, he's sitting next to me and he's kind of halfway watching too, but he had that same test next hour. So he was kind of halfway studying for that. But anyway, so I, I nudged him, and I said, Mike, I said, I think God just called me to the ministry. And he's like, oh, yeah, cool. You know, and then he went back to study. (laughs) And and it's like, but see, here's the thing. That was logos to him. That was a logos. It was rhema. God made it rhema to me. See, that's what rhema will do. Man, it'll get you excited about reading God's word. Reading God's word. You're all familiar with the Christmas story, right? Let's see how this worked out in Mary's life. You know, we know how the angel Gabriel appeared to 16, 17-year-old Mary, told her that she was going to have a baby, was going to conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit and have a little boy who would become the Messiah. Luke 1, verse 34. She's like, how will this be? See, this is the word that came through Gabriel. The word of God came through Gabriel. Tells her this, and she's like, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. So Mary heard the word from God. She heard the message God sent through Gabriel, but she didn't understand it. So she had this question, how can this be? Question: How many of you have been reading in the Bible and said, "How can this be?" I've never read in the Old Testament and said, "How can this be?" Right? I don't get it. Can you explain this to me? And then the angel does. Let's read it in verse 35 of Luke 1. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. See, dear ones, here's Mary's aha moment. Here's where the Logos became Rama. Verse 37, for no word, and it's the word Rama, for no Rama from God will ever fail. For no personal revelation from God will ever fail. And y'all just missed a good place to say amen on that. Can I tell you that this is the same for you and me as well? When you activate your faith and God's written word, then it becomes a personal word to you. And that's a game changer. That's a game changer. That's when things begin to happen. And we see this transition from logos, the written word, to rhema, the spoken or revealed word, as soon as Mary activated her faith. Watch this in verse 38. I am, this is Mary's response. She said, how's this gonna happen? Gabriel tells her. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered. Now watch close because this next statement is what activates. This is where we see her faith being activated. May your rhema, your your, your spoken, your personal word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And that's when she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit with a little baby Jesus. How do you get the Bible to come alive and start making sense? Faith. How do you get faith? Revelation. So how do you get revelation? Because faith activates God's word. Revelation activates our faith, but meditation. Meditation is what activates our revelation. Meditation activates revelation. Some of you, your problem isn't reading the Bible because you read it fairly consistently. The issue is how you're reading. it. The issue is your mindset when you read the Bible. Some of you need to slow down. Be more intentional when you read the Bible. Ponder what you're reading. Take notes. That's why we gave you this booklet. We want you to start taking notes while, you're going, while we're going through this series. See, that's the meditation part of this process. Joshua 1, verse 8. It says, keep this book of the law always on. Talking about the word of God. Keep the word of God always on your lips. Meditate. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. The word meditate, that's an interesting word, that that, that Hebrew word that's used there. It actually would be the equivalent of our English word ruminate, right? Ruminate. And we're all from Wellville. Right? We're kind of agriculture. We, we know what ruminating is, right? When the cow chews its cud, it starts ruminating, right? That's, this is where we get the colloquialism, let me chew on that for a while. Anyone ever said that? Someone was talking you about something. Eh. Let me let me chew on that for a while. One time I was out fishing across the street at our neighbor's pond. I took um, Jonah, our, our grandson, and I think Evan, our son, was was with me. And so I'm out there fishing, and he and and he, uh, Marvin Clayton has some cows out there in his field. So I'm kind of fishing. You know, I'm watching this one cow that wasn't too far from me, and it was you know eating you know, and it would chew. You know, and then it was, it was kind of small, and then it stopped, and then you see the head go forward just to, just ever so slightly and it start chewing again, and then stop, and then ever so, and then it start chewing again. Aren't you glad it came to church today? <laughs> that's ruminating. That's ruminating, just kind of chewing on that again, getting as, getting as many of the nutrients as it could out of that cud. See, that's the same thing. And as, look, as, as gross as that sounds, that's the idea behind this word meditate as it's used here. In fact, look at the statement by Jesus in the parable of the two builders, talking about his word, okay? This is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to this in Matthew 5, verse verse 25, Matthew 7, verse 25. They are foundational words, words to build a life on if you work these words into your life. See that? if you'll work these words into your life. Part of doing this series and giving you these notebooks is to help you work God's word into your life so that you can begin to respond to it more readily, change your attitude towards God's word, to help you view reading and studying God's word as something that you get to do, not something that you have to do. That's the goal. That's what we want to do. That you'll view your Bible as something, man, I get to read God's word this morning. Not, oh, here I go. I'm going to check this off, you know, and get that done. He says, there are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Smart, not because he knew how to build, but because he knew storms were coming. Don't miss that. That's why he was smart. He wasn't smart because he knew how to build the house. He was smart because he knew storms were coming. So it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And rain poured down, the river flooded, or tornado hit. And we've all experienced that before. Some huge storm that came out of nowhere, caught us by surprise. Something so big and so unexpected that it shook our faith, maybe rattled our spiritual foundation. And see, sadly, this is where many people's faith becomes shipwrecked because they didn't do what Jesus said to do. Whoever works these words into their lives, in other words, whoever does them, they'll be the ones left standing on the other side of the storm. The the, the ones who are doers of the word, not just hearers. It says, but nothing moved that house because it was fixed to the rock. So how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we, in Jesus' words, work his words into our lives? Well, you have to do three things here. Actually, we do four. But the first thing is you have to accept its authority. We have to accept the authority of the Bible. And this usually comes back to our attitude, to our attitude. Well, how do you view the Bible? Do you consider it to be the inerrant, infallible word of God and the spiritual compass for your life? Or do you view it as a great literary work with high moral standards, but certainly not something that you're willing to live your life by? Because if you never come, listen, dear ones, if you never come to accept its authority, it's never going to work its way into your life. And you're never going to make it through the storm successfully. I'm just saying that that's how it works. Reading scripture works best when we read it for more than discovering plot points. We need to read scripture with the idea of hearing God speak to us. See, I have questions about a lot of things in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. And I'll admit that there are things that I don't fully understand. But even when I don't fully understand it, God still has the ability to speak to me through his word. Look, I've been doing this a long time. And, and again, there are still things that I really don't understand, but I've learned to be okay with that. And you need to learn to be okay with that. Don't let the, don't let the devil get you sidetracked here by something you don't understand in the Bible. Well, I'm not gonna read it because I don't understand it. No, that's not the issue. Continue to have activate your faith and trust God. Mark Twain nailed it when he said this. It ain't those parts of the Bible I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts I do understand. So don't let the things you don't understand distract you. Just get to work on the things you do understand. And the understanding for those other things will come later. There's always going to be things in God's word you're not going to understand, but that's not a bad thing. I've learned to let God be God, and I don't have to have everything figured out in order to trust God and accept the authority of his word for my life. And as you meditate, and God will bring revelation, and that will activate your faith, which will in turn activate God's word, which will help you begin to work these things into your life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, so, and, and the word that Paul used there for received is a word that that the Greeks used to describe any time that they would receive or welcome someone into their home, even a stranger. Paul says, you welcomed and received the word of God into your hearts with the same willingness and the same openness you would a stranger that you didn't know that showed up up on your doorstep one day. Even though you didn't know them, you received them and welcomed them and were willing to get to know them. And as as you welcome them and get to know them, then you begin to understand them. As Paul says here, you received the word of God which you heard from us. You accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God which, now that you received it, now that you've accepted it, look what happens, is indeed at work in you who believe. See that? So if you don't understand it, that's okay. Go ahead and trust God. Activate your faith. Accept it and accept it. Receive it. And over time, God will bring that revelation and understanding to you. So, second thing you have to do, you have to assimilate its truths. You have to assimilate its truths. In other words, you have to apply it to your daily life, which means you'll have to read it more than just on Sunday mornings. Let me say that again. That means that you've got to read the Bible more than just on Sunday mornings and what you read on the screens up here. Amen. There you go. Thank you. So how do we assimilate it? How do we assimilate it? got to listen to it. And I realize I'm preaching to the choir right now because you're here listening to God's Word. Right? But again, you know, it never ceases to amaze me how many people, Christians, who don't prioritize God's word, and then the storms of life come, and their their faith gets shipwrecked, and they wonder why. I don't understand. How many of you, be honest, how many of you would say, you know, pastor, I really wish I had more faith? Three of you. Maybe we should back up and start this series over again. No, seriously. How many of you would say, you know, I really would like to have more faith? Every hand should go up. We all want more faith. We all want more faith. How do I get more faith? Well, the apostle Paul tells us in Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want more faith? Read more of God's word. But don't just read it. Read it carefully. Ponder it. Chew on it. Ruminate on it. Get as much out of it that God wants you to get out of it. Read it carefully. Luke 8, 18. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Listen. You assimilate God's word by listening to it. You also assimilate God's word by reading it, reading it. Now, this probably seems obvious, but not when statistics tell us that only one out of every 10 of you sitting out here today read your Bible every day. That's what the statistics say. Only one out of every 10 of you read your Bible every day. In fact, 26 million people stopped reading the Bible during COVID. That, that amazed me. During one of the scariest, most confusing, uncertain times in the history of mankind, a time when people should have been leaning into God, trying to get closer to God, people were ignoring God. Jesus called the Bible the bread of life. Couple that with his comment in Matthew 4, verse 4. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So you look at some of these statements that Jesus made and you kind of get the picture that our approach to reading the Bible should be no different than we approach a meal, eating a meal. I mean, if the, if the, if the Bible is, is the, the, the staple of life, bread, then sh- why, why shouldn't we approach reading the Bible the same way that we would approach a meal? And I'm not talking about one of those nasty pieces of white Wonder Bread that balls up in your stomach. I'm talking about with them Texas Roadhouse rolls that comes out of the oven, <laughs> sit there in front of you. I'm th- that's, that's my view of God's word right there. Are you getting hungry yet? by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Set aside some time. This is another thing you need to do. Set aside some time. See, this could be a game changer for many of you. What you need to do is you need to figure out your most productive time frame of the day and carve your time with God out of that time frame. My most productive time frame is 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. That's, that's when I am most productive. That's when I try to get, you know, the things that I need to get done, I do it between 4 and 10 a.m. So that, I carve my time with God, my, my prayer my, out of that time, all right? Now, I encourage you to do the same. You all have a most productive, you have your same window. You know when your most productive time is. When it comes to consistently spending time with reading God's Word, I'm challenging you to carve it out of that most productive time of you. Don't wait till the end of the day, 9.30 or 10, when you're beat, you go lay down in the bed and get your Bible out. No, no, no. No, I know myself too well. I cannot do my devotions late at night. It won't work. I'll fall asleep. So set aside some time. Prioritize the time. And you'll start being more consistent in reading it. Have a plan. Have a plan, that's another thing you need to do. And honestly, I could do a whole series on this topic right here. But for the sake of time, I'm gonna make it easy for you since we're just getting started in this series. I'm inviting you, I'm inviting all of Family Church to join me for a 90-day Bible reading plan that will coincide with this Firm Foundation series. And this, this reading plan is gonna take us through the four gospels. The link to this Gospel Project Bible, and Sue actually reads a lot of their, their, their you can get them through the Version app. They're really excellent. The, the, these guys, they, they kind of put together these, they, these little short videos, and then there's a little stick man, you know, and they kind of explain the different. But it takes us through the Gospels. It's going to take us through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I want to encourage you to join with me during this series as we do this, uh, the, uh, going through the Gospels over the next 90 days. And if you'll do that, I promise you, if you'll engage with me in that series, not only will your life be better, you'll be better at life. We say that a lot, don't we? But it's true. So how do you assimilate God's Word? How do you let it work in you? You listen to it. You read it. Set aside a specific time. A specific, have a specific plan. And don't rush through your Bible reading plan. And then thirdly, explore it. Explore it. Again, time won't allow me to talk about the numerous ways that you can study your Bible. But if the goal is not just information but transformation, hands down, the best way to explore your Bible is in a small group. That is the best way to explore your Bible. Every Wednesday morning, some of the guys meet here in the the coffee lounge out there and uh, we call it Family Guy, and uh, we just do a Bible study. And, and what we've been doing over the last few months, we've just been picking a Bible and reading through it. We'll just go through and read some chapters and just kind of talk about it. No commentaries. You know, I mean, every now and then someone will look in there. But, but it's been very refreshing and, and very, very rewarding. So a couple months ago, someone had the big idea that let's do Revelation. So we tried as long as we could to put it off. You know, Christmas was coming up. Well, let's, let's, do, let's do the Christmas story. Let's do and after the first of the year, okay, here we are. We got to do Revelation. So we started doing Revelation. And I gotta tell you, it has been one of the most humorous but rewarding and refreshing times because we're just all of us are trying to wrestle with this somewhat difficult book. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of typology in there and a lot of symbols and so forth. But if you can imagine this, sitting a bunch of guys sitting around the room. You know, no no, no, no theologians. Our, our resident theologians in our family guide group would be uh, notorious sinner Scotty Hutchison and, and the other the other the, resident theologian is, is former Amigos group member Jared Stonequist. They are our resident theologians as we go through the book of Revelation. But seriously, it has been one of the most rewarding times that we just read through the book of Revelation and we talk about this and I'll tell you what, if nothing else, because sometimes as we're reading about some of these symbols and types Gage, Gage is over there on his phone, and, and he pulls up the study notes, and he'll send pictures out to all the phones of, of, of some of these, you know, what, some artist rendition of like the, the beast with the ten heads and the crowns and the thorns, you know. So he, he will send these out. So if nothing else, we've got some killer ideas for tattoos. <laughs> I mean, bro, that's what they start talking about. Man, that'd make a good tattoo, but. Seriously, the best way to explore the Bible is in a small group. Now, we're winding down our spring and growth Our our, our winter growth groups, uh, but we'll be offering them again in the fall. So again, if the goal is to assimilate God's word as it works into our lives, that's best accomplished through a small group because it's in the context of small groups that the promise of this verse is lived out. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have, say this next word with me, hidden. I have hidden, not just read it, not just listened to it. I have hidden hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You realize what the psalmist is saying here, don't you? He's saying that there's a direct correlation between having God's word tucked away in our heart and not sinning. Listen to it, read it, explore it, and then lastly, apply its principles. James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what? It says. A couple years ago, Sue and I were driving out to Denver to visit our Colorado kids, Colin and Amanda and Winter. I don't think Guster was born at that time, but um, there was a bad accident on I-70 um, and uh, traffic had come to a complete stop. I mean a complete stop and we didn't know what was going on. So we called Colin, said, hey, we're, we're, we're running late. We're not sure what time we're going to be there. Uh, And so Colin looked it up on his internet, and he said, yeah. He said there was a bad accident, and they've closed I-70 from Denver to the state line of Kansas. It's completely shut down. After sitting there for about an hour, finally the traffic, they they kind of started directing traffic over to the other eastbound lane because it was open. And people that were wanting to go west to Denver had to go back to a frontage road, take the frontage road to Lyman, and then from Lyman figure out how you're going to get to Denver. So we did that. We got to Lyman typed in Colin and Amanda's address, and then headed southwest out of Lyman. I'm not sure what that highway is. The first little town, and I use that word loosely because it wasn't much of a town, we came to, Siri, my GPS says, turn right on Main Street. (laughs) So we turn right on Main Street, and within a half mile, we're on gravel. Seriously, we're on gravel on Main Street, You know, and it said I still had eight miles to go before my next turn. So anyway, it's like, you know, what do you do? Because see, I've got burned by Siri before. Anyone ever got burned by your GPS? Siri ever burned you before? So it's like, what do I do here? So, So we're heading north on this road. And then we came, after a few miles, we came to another road, you know, and headed west again. Anyway, ended up, we ended up, finally came out in Castle Rock, which is just south of Aurora, which is where they lived at the time. Here's the point. We had a plan. We knew what we were going to do. Yeah, and we knew how we were going to get there. But how many of you know sometimes things happen and you got to take a detour? And what are you going to do at that time? Are you going to trust? Are you going to, and here's the thing, you can trust God's word. God's word ain't Siri. God's word won't give you a wrong direction. Now, you may may have to look back and wonder, how did we get here? But you'll make it there. You may not understand it while you're going along the way, but God's word will never fail you, never fail. Let you down. That's why we're doing this series, dear ones, to help you navigate the storms of life and the detours of life in a way to get you where you want to go. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Lord, I do pray that you would begin stirring people's hearts towards your word. And even though we don't always fully understand what it says, Help us to see that we really don't have to fully understand it to accept to accept it as the foundation for our lives. So right now, Lord, I pray that we would choose to make room in our heart for more of your word. And as we begin reading your word more, listening to it, exploring it, ruminating on it, help us assimilate it and apply it so we can become transformed, not just informed. And while your heads are bowed, I want to address... Anyone here among us this morning, and maybe you're not in a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're not even sure what you believe about the Bible. Or maybe you used to believe in the Bible at one time, but something happened and now it and God's not a priority for you. But here's the thing, he should be, and you know it. In fact, some of you are under conviction right now something inside of you desires to to get back close to God or to come close to God. And So if that's you all you have to do is asking because you need to know that Jesus went to the cross so you could be close to God. If you'd like to be close to God it would be my honor to pray for you now and I just want to lead you in this prayer. If you would just pray the simple prayer after me say Jesus thank you. Thank you for going to the cross and paying for my sins and now I receive what you did for me, that you died for me, and I choose to make you Lord of my life, and I surrender my heart to you. Come and live inside of me by your Holy Spirit. Change me and make me who you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen.